Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. And I want to call this, uh, this, this word that I have today pivoting into the call of God. Some of us are in the place of pivoting. Some of us have not yet pivoted. Some have fully pivoted like Arwen and Curtis this morning. They've turned into the call of God. So it's been running around in my head since James was doing the shifts. If you weren't here when he was doing talking about the church shifts that are happening, we moved from attractional to missional. That's come to church has been um, changed to going out and finding people get saved. Amen. Don't just say come to church and you'll get saved. We say let me talk to you about salvation. The second thing he talked about was going from copycat to innovate. So we don't go down, look at the other church and go, wow, that's cool. Let's go and do it at our church. We ask God to show us some ideas about what he wants us to do with our church, with our lives. We just don't copy everybody else. And going from hearers to doers so we can sit. You know, this funny thing I heard on a movie. I'm so spiritual. I spent half of last night watching this movie. It says... um, and this guy says, you know, this girl says to her mother, she was a lawyer, when people sit around and discuss something, that's a support group. When people talk about it and go out and do it, it's actually causing a movement. How cool is that? So we don't sit around here and talk about the gospel or the great things God's doing. We actually are actively looking for people who need Jesus. And we go from a distant God to an intimate God. Well, that's one speaks for itself, doesn't it? And go from attenders, people who just come to church, to becoming true disciples of Christ. So we don't just sit in church and say, okay, done my dash. Rest of the week is mine. That's not how we look at it. But we are true disciples of the word, of prayer, of anything that God's speaking into our lives. You know, but for us to shift from what we have been doing to something new, which is the call of God in our lives, we actually have to have a pivotal moment. A pivot says in my dictionary, a person or position from which the body of troops takes its reference points when moving or changing course. So our reference point is always going to be Jesus. I was, when I was younger, my father sent me to marching. That was called a sport in them days. You went like this. And that was apparently a sport. So I went and I joined a marching team and it taught you discipline. But when we turned, when we turned a corner, we're marching straight and we're going to go that way, there was a pivotal person and our eyes locked on them and we pivoted around that person. So Jesus is our pivotal person. Amen. When he says go this way, we go that way. When he says we're going that way, and we pivot around what he's showing us. And, um, you know, you can sum it up. Let me just say this before I move on to the next thing. Our uh, self-comfort is not our pivoting point. Our uh, even um, our well-being is not our pivoting point. Oh, I don't like that. I think I'll move. That's not a pivot. That's a gone. 
And it's different because our eyes are on us, it's not on Jesus. Amen? So we need to keep that in mind. Even our ministries are not our pivotal point. If God said to me, shift from being a pastor, I want you to go out on the road, I'd be going, whoa, that's a big deal. But I have to pivot on that. And everything has to change. It can be summed up in this one scripture. In John 5.19, it says this. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son of God can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works. See, I believe that Arwen and Curtis will do greater works than us. I, I believe that when they move on, they will see all of those miracles that I would have loved to have seen myself. And they will see um, miracles of healing. They'll see some moments in Christ that I wished I could, but they are going on to do it themselves. I believe that. I believe anybody that's sent out from this church will do greater things than me and James. Greater things. They'll be better pastors. Praise God, everybody said. They'll be better church leaders. They'll be better advisors. They'll be better better, better. If they aren't going to be better than me, what am I doing but holding everything to myself? I don't want to do that. I want to do what James said one time. Was it James that said, I want to die empty. It's all gone. Everything's been dissipated from my, from my life and my spiritual life. And a quote from a recent entrepreneurial journal I was reading, I do read those things. The term pivot refers to a significant business change ranging from mild to dramatic. A pivot is usually intended to help a business recover from a tough period or survive after experiencing new competition or other factors that make the original business model unsustainable. Our business is the kingdom. We can't do a COVID we can't go through all of that and then come back and say, okay, business as usual. Let's open the doors. Something has got to change because church, where are we going? We are going to revival. This is not the landing place. We're on our way somewhere. Amen. We're on our way to revival and God has chosen to use us. Go figure. You know, I line up with the rest of the disciples, the shipping, I mean the fishermen. I'm lining up with them and so are you. It's not the latest and greatest, the bestest that have ever lived that are going to do it. It's you and me. He's chosen us and we need to understand that. Amen? We need revival in our nation. James said, what he said was, revival means the recovery of breath. The church needs to recover its breath. Amen? We got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, that's how it feels like. Everybody stutters on the Holy Spirit. But you and I know. I mean, I've had conversations with all of you, and most of you, if not all of you, and all of you are hungry for the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. But we then look to somebody else to do it. Come on. Amen? Come on. We can do this. We can do this. So it's a recovery of breath. And it's the Holy Spirit we need because that's how we're going to get revival, through the Spirit of God. 
So if, if, if it's going to happen through us, or happen through the church, who is the church? It's us. That's it. Your living stones are low. So you are the church. I am the church. And God wants us to pivot to hasten revival. Who's with me? Amen. Who's with me? There's, what can I do, you say? Oh, there's a question they're asking. Everybody's asking themselves in, um, what are we at the moment? Voting. <laughs> Elections. That's it. Sometimes these words just over my head. That's what everybody says. How can my vote change things? Come on. We're serious. We know our leader can do this. Our leader is Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. Amen. We can't lose. We're going to vote for him. We cannot lose. Amen. So don't say to me, well, I can't do nothing. Come on. That's like saying, amen, devil, whatever you say to me, I'm useless, I'm hopeless, I can't do it. Amen. And who wants to say amen to the devil? No. We want to say amen, amen, God. Through, through me, through you, I can do all things through Christ. Hey. Or is it sometimes that we say that just because we're scared? Fear. Well, I'll leave that one alone. I get a little bit emotional about that, so let's not go there. It's like voting for a government. Who knows that saying? Bad things happen when... Yeah, that what those people were saying. Good people say nothing. Say, you know, say it like you mean it. Bad things happen when good people do nothing. Devilish things happen, demonic things happen when godly people choose to do nothing. Amen? Let us choose to do what is good. Let us choose to be those people when we're walking down the street and somebody has had a rough time, let's not just turn our back on them. Let us be the ones that say, I will choose to try and help this person pivot from the ugliness in their life to the life of Christ. Amen? That's us. That's what we want to do. So it's like that. It's like voting. You matter to God. Otherwise, he wouldn't have bothered to have called you. He would have said, no, no, not that one. Here you go. Quality control. He didn't do that. He came to you and he said, yeah, this one I can do something with. And that is why you're sitting in this church today. Because he said, I can do something. And I want to go, you know, I am going to preach the Bible. Yeah, I do that. I want to go to Exodus, and um, I haven't got my Bible here because I left it out in the car, but I've written all the scriptures down, so we're all sorted. So I want to go to Moses. Moses was an individual that God used to deliver the people of Israel. He used him to um, deliver the people of Israel out of the tyrannical uh, rulership and leadership of the Egyptians. And... um, and it begins with God hearing the cry of his people who have become slaves to the Egyptians and, and God responds. So don't ever think that your ministry is so important that you need to be there. I mean, look at James. I hope he's not listening right now. He's not here, but he knows that church will carry on. He knows that because his ministry is not dependent on him being there. His ministry is dependent on him being obedient. And that's what we, that's the way that we all think of that. 
So anyway, who was this Moses? You might say, oh, he's the guy that parted the Red Sea. Oh, he's the one that did all the miracles. Um, But he was called when he was a shepherd. This is Moses. He was called. We all, and, and the history hasn't been written yet. So how much history here hasn't been written yet? How much history in this room hasn't been written yet? How many people here, Greg, need to hear your voice spoken to the young men of New Zealand to hear what you've got to say? How is the history is going to go from there? How many people here have need to speak one word in one place and it will change the history of a town? Come on, we've got to think bigger. God doesn't need small thinkers, amen? We need to be big thinkers. Not over, not, oh, that's not a nice word. Not think overthinking, upthinking. Oh, you know what I mean. Upthinking ourselves. Yeah, upthinking ourselves. Up ourselves, that's what I was trying to say. Sorry. Sorry, Lord. But (laughs) I don't know how to say that. How many people in this room have been given a platform somewhere and you keep saying, nah, it doesn't look like the platform at church. Come on. And there is a platform for you. Perhaps it's at Palmer's garden centre. When you go and you take, (laughs) not you, Sue. (laughs) Perhaps your platform is at the hairdressers you go to. Perhaps your platform is at the preschool that you work at. There are platforms all over this city and all over this world. Pick one. That's what I'm saying. Pick one. But there are people that are going to speak into the lives of others. And it's going to hit like an arrow. But we've got to believe that we're able, that God's able to do it through us. So anyway, let's just have a look at, at, at Moses' background. I mean, look at this guy. He was looking after the sheep. He was a shepherd, and the sheep weren't even his own. So he's working for some other guy, his father-in-law. And so that's why, where he came from. He didn't come from a Bible college. Praise the Lord for Bible colleges. He didn't come from years and years and years of being raised up. These guys, I keep trying to call, not to call um, Owen and them kids. These guys have been four years in Christ. Before that, they were drugs and ugh, yucky things, yucky things. But look at them now, amen? And is he any different to us? <laughs> Praise the Lord, no. <laughs> so he was, I know that Moses was brought up in a palace and he was adopted as one of Pharaoh's grandsons. But one day he went to visit his own people, saw an Egyptian giving a, a Hebrew a hiding, I was just going to say a Maori a hiding, a Hebrew a hiding, and he stepped in and he killed him. And long story short, he thought, Pharaoh's going to find out, and Pharaoh did find out, and Pharaoh tried to kill him, so he did what any warm or hot-blooded male would do. He took off into the sunset, not even a horse. (laughs) He took off, and he found himself right here. This is where God found him. Looking after somebody else's sheep in a paddock that didn't belong to him for his his father-in-law. He was pretty ordinary, just like you and me, pretty ordinary. 
So if any of you are saying, well, I'm not good enough, I haven't got the right background, go figure. Look at this guy. He didn't have a, he was a murderer. That's who he was. He didn't even do time for it, didn't even make jail. He's still out there. That's who he is. And God calls him. So we pick up the story at chapter 3. In verse 1, where it tells us as Moses is tending these sheep, an angel appears in a blazing fire in the middle of the, of the bush. And Moses is amazed by this, especially when he realizes that the bush is engulfed in fire and not burning up. Moses says, I better go and have a look. <laughs> God does miracles in our lives and we think, oh, we better have a look. It's like, what? Come on. And the Amplified Bible says it like this. So Moses said, I must turn away from the flock and see this great sight, why the bush, bush is not burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned away from the flock to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Ta-da, here I am. So the first thing that has to happen in order, I'll say this very clearly, for you to be able to pivot towards your core, you have to let go of what you've got in your hand. Hey, Viv, I've had this thing in my hand for 20 odd years. I say, don't care. God's life is eternal. I've been nurturing this thing. Why would God make me do that? I don't know. Ask him when you get there. But for this moment, he's saying, come on, pivot, drop it, no more. That's your agenda, not mine. That's your dream, not mine. Let it go. When um, James and I moved up from Tauranga, I didn't want to move from there because um, there I made all my best. I had a whole church full of really good mates who had kids the same age as mine. My kids were always, you know, we're always swapping kids and saying you go over to a camp out at your friend's place. It was a great place. And has anybody been to Tauranga? Have you seen the, seen the beaches? Yeah. yeah. Mirawai's not a beach. What's wrong with that beach? It's got an attitude. Have you seen us? It rushes in, it rushes out, it rushes in. I mean, come on, that's not a beach. What is that? <laughs> yes, yeah, something. I mean, you go to you go to the Mount Beaches and mate, it's like on the postcards. And then God said to us, time to move. And all my kids said that their father had been talking to the devil, not to Jesus. <laughs> and they said, no, 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 you got this wrong, Dad. Look at this place. But i got to say, comfort is not what calls us. Amen? When God says you're done, you're done. Move on. Because this may be fine, but over there is the best, best thing that God could ever plan for you. That's the better choice. This one here is a choice. And so he had to let down whatever it was he was doing. He took his eyes off the flock. He took his eyes off his previous um, vocation. And he pivoted and he looked at what, the, uh, what was happening with the burning bush. And it was only then that God called out to him. Notice that. When his hands were empty, God says, Moses. He could have done it any time. He could have said to him, hey, Moses, come to the bush because I want to talk to you about something. There's something that I've got him. He didn't. He had to make the choice. What choices do you have to make for you to be able to pivot towards your calling? What plans are you going to put down? 
for you to pivot towards your calling. You know, the year buts, how many of those in our lives when God says, come on, I want you to do this? Year but, um but, 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 but. We need to kick the butts, amen? We really need to kick the butts because God is calling you to something higher, something greater. Because God wants our undivided attention. That's why he wants it. How many of you know when you, if your parents here today and you're trying to have a coffee conversation with a friend, you've got kids climbing all over you? It's not undivided attention. And it's the same with God when you're saying, well, I've got to just go off and do that and I'll come back to you. You don't do that to God. You know what I'm saying? You don't make an appointment so God can come see you. When God says drop it, it's time to drop it. Just let it go. Thing comes like poison to you otherwise. It starts filling up your mind when God's trying to speak to you about some things and calling you towards what he wants for you, wants you to pivot. So many of us are not where we want to be because we haven't let down. Um, I was telling a friend of mine that um, uh, one of the things that I found difficult when I was a young person, I was a youth in church, all my friends were learning how to be really good at prayer, really good at preaching the word, really good at worship leading. The only thing I was good at was backsliding. <laughs> I mean, I got a gold medal in backsliding. I'd go so far backslide, go so far backslide. To the point where the senior pastor of this church that I was going to, you know, my, my sister who, who led me to the Lord, she went, she's given her heart to the Lord. And he goes, oh, what, again? <laughs> he said, guy, all right. But you know why? I couldn't pivot towards the call of God in my life or even salvation was the fact that I had stuff in my hand. But like the guy in the Bible, I think it was Lot, who stayed on the outskirts of Nineveh, just have a look. Close enough to see what was going on. I did that. Close enough to see what was going on in the bad, in that city of sin. So I did that. I didn't actually put it down. And so if you are having trouble staying within the kingdom of God, I advise you to let go of the past. It's no good to you. It'll come and bite you all the time. It has no promises. Oh, you know, I've heard this because I've heard this through some of our congregational members. There's nothing wrong with weed. We should be able to smoke weed and be a Christian. God made the weed. Eh, come on. Really? God made the weed? So why don't you just take some arsenic? God came from the same land. Anyway, anyway, let's not go there. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, Lord, sometimes. So let it go. That's what we need to do. To pivot effectively, we have to let go of our own plans and embrace God's destiny for our lives. So anyway, from verses 5 to 10, God calls Moses to become the deliverer of the people. And notice that this happens only when Moses disengages from his plans. And then it comes to verse 5 and it says, take off your shoes this is a holy moment. Oh, we could just glaze over that. But I think the thing is, is that when we understand that we don't negotiate with God because a holy God of the universe has said to you, come and join me. We're going to do something. You don't negotiate the pay plan. 
you know, I'll keep that and you can take that. I'll keep that. You don't do that. He's the God of the universe. Be respectful of who he is. Amen? Be respectful of who he is. Don't negotiate. Don't. I remember a friend once was preaching and he said, uh, no, Lord, is an oxymoron. Because when you call someone Lord, they have they have lordship over your life. So when you say no, then he's not the Lord. I think he's right. And so I just want to say this. Remember this. You are assisting God. He's not assisting you. Let's just, you know, just say that right there. And for many of us, we go and do our plans and we go, okay, God, can you come and do the miraculous stuff because that's what you're there for. The idea you have is you go to God first and you say, what would you like me to do, Lord? We assist God. He doesn't assist us. And sometimes we can make our plans so comfortable that he can only you can only schedule him in, at a certain place. But when you say, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do, you're saying, okay, God, not my plans but yours. Amen? And yet I find a lot of people I talk to, they're trying to get God to slip in. Slipping. He's not the Lord. They're just trying to take his call and stick it onto what they're already doing. When you, when, when God is the, when Jesus is the Lord, you say, I haven't got a plan. I've only got yours. So you're not co-joining it with your one. So then you start bossing God around. That's not how it works. Anyway, am I all right? Yeah. Good. Just need that just rid of them. I'm getting growly like my mummy voice, say. So. So whatever you're called to do, treat it as a holy moment where you have been invited into covenant with God. That you haven't just said to him, okay, God, do your thing. So as a worship leader, God trusts me to lead the people to worship. It's not my platform. That's not my, that's not my platform. That's God's platform. He says who and what happens there. Community, I'll work hard until God says I'm done. You know, in community work, um, I'm so proud of the Norwest Care Trust that's begun and all the things that it, it does. It started off with a food bank and just a few people and now we're training chaplains up there and we're also you know, helping people who have intellectual disabilities to find some place in the community to serve. And I'm so proud of that, do you know. But, you know, I didn't get start that up there. This is the one up at Massey. We now have a branch out at Huapai and we're beginning with the lovely ladies out there. But I didn't say to God, um, I'm sick of this, I'm moving on. Because it did get like that. It did get like that. There was a time when I had, was setting it up on my own. I was sick of it. Sick of the paperwork. Sick of the people that gave me lip service. Super sick, 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 sick. But I couldn't move. I had to say to God, are we done? And he kept saying, no, stay. I said, so I appealed to my senior pastor, and he was in cohorts with God. Wow. I mean, wow. He said, no, stay there till God says go. And I stayed, and I stayed until I was, got to the point where I thought, well, I don't think it's working. It's time to move on. And then a young man came in, a young pastor came in. He said, hey, Viv, this is what I want to do. And I said, great, you've got yourself a new job. Pass it on to him. The guy has made it. Boy, it sings. He, he talks, so he's got an American accent. Hey, Viv. You know, it's like, cha, sounds cool. <laughs> hey, Viv, what's happening? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, 
And I'm standing on the outside and he says, oh, they want, you know, he says in his American accent, they want you to come talk to them about the ministry. And I was so excited. And then God said, it's not yours. I took it off you. It's like, what? And so anyway, this guy did. And you know, with a, it comes out better when it's an American smoothing, a soothing accent than this Maori one. This Maori one gets a little bit, you know. And so he spoke and everybody, there are six churches involved. And they're all putting into it. Pastors, leaders. Oh, the guy has made it sing. He's a great pastor. I'm not telling you who you might all run over to his church. <laughs> no, not telling you. But he's a great guy. And you know, the thing is, community was not my platform. And I didn't dictate to God when I was done. I would have been done ages ago if I had my way. But it's not comfort. It doesn't make me feel comfortable, therefore I won't do it. That's not how it works. As a pastor, I understand that my duty is towards taking care of the people. Once again, my level of comfort, does it suit me or not, has got nothing to do with that. That is not my platform. And whenever I preach, the pulpit is God's. And I try to honour him and respect him when I preach. You see, so it's not about me, 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 me. It's all about God. Anyway, we go to verse 6 and reminds us of Moses who he is by naming the patriarchs, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. And it's just God saying, see, I'll be faithful to you. And I want to read the next one, the call that he placed on this shepherd, shepherd's life. I want to, I want to just read it. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. I'm aware of their suffering, suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. This is verse seven to 10 and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. What a grand vision. Amen. And he's saying, I want you to do this, Moses. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jubasites now live. Look, the cry of the people have reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. That was the call that he had on the shepherd, shepherd's, shepherd's life. So when you're saying to me, I'm nothing, Forget that. That's what the devil said to you, and don't say amen to that. Amen. The call is set before Moses, and look what happens next. <laughs> he looks inward, and everything goes pear-shaped. Some of us have been standing on the pear shape for a long time, you know. God's called you. Because you're looking at what you cannot do. I haven't got the capabilities. I'm not able. I can't. I can't. I can't. Those are the inward things that are in our lives. And then we may, and, and please forgive me if this is just somebody's story, and then we justify it with things. For when I was a child, I was beaten. I know what that feels like. For when I was younger, somebody ripped me off. I went to a church and a pastor hurt me. Those are past things. We're in the moment now, and God wants revival. Amen. And this is what happened to Moses. 
he says in verse 11, but Moses protested, who am I to appear before the Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people out of Israel, uh, 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 the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses knows that there's power and authority in the leaders that rule over the land. And he's saying, who am I? And this is the question that we ask ourselves. God says, do this, we say, but who am I? Who am I? Tell me somebody, who are we? Amen, say it again. Come on. Come on. Amen, amen. Amen. Who am I? You are nothing but God's going to hold you and you have become something miraculous and supernatural. Amen. Believe it. We have to believe it because the work ahead of us is huge and he's chosen you. And then to pivot effectively, we have to be convinced of the power and authority of the Lord in our lives. We are not here to complain about our past lives. We're here to give it to God. Give it to God. We want God to change our lives. Let's not keep bringing it up, bringing it up. Let's give it to God and then let's walk away. Amen. The Bible is full of ways that we can do that. And we need to stop believing the devil. Oh, he makes me angry. We need to believe God and not the devil. And then he says in verse Chapter 4, verse 1, what if they don't believe me? Of course they won't believe you haven't got the power of God in you. Amen? Or listen to me. What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? God says this. So the the Lord says to to Moses, uh, so he takes him to a dress rehearsal, beg your pardon, of miracles he will perform to to prove that that God is with him. He says, what's in your hand? It's his staff. He says, you know, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, turned into a snake. He went through the actual rehearsal, whereas some of us have to go in cold. But this guy, he wasn't going to believe it unless he first saw it with his very own eyes before everybody else. This guy would drive any mother, any mother crazy, you know? You know what I'm saying? And then in verse 10, it says, but Moses pleaded with God, oh God, I'm not good enough with words. Oh, you know this kid, man. I've never been tired. I have never been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. And God says He's starting to heat up now. God, just like any good parent, who made your mouth? <laughs> who decides when people speak and do not speak? Who decides when they hear or when they see? If I was, if I was Moses by this time, I'd, I'd be carrying. He says, "It's me." Me, me, I do it. That's what God's saying. And he says, go and I will be with you and tell you what to say. What more could you ask for? And the same thing applies to us now. I'm always marveled at Arwen and Curtis when they go out and they talk to people about God. And I'm still here. What I was here, what, 30 years a Christian and still going, mm, 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 mm. People say to me, what do you do with your... What do you do for work? I mean, how wide does the door have to open before I go through it? And I'm going, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I, I know what I am. I even know my name at times. It's pretty cool, eh? But how big is the door sometimes when we don't take it? God will fill your mouth. If you believe you're a preacher, then for goodness sake, start preaching. Don't go, 
we're waiting for something to drop out of heaven, it won't happen. <laughs> Maybe a seagull flying over will give you something. <laughs> oh, I mean, come on, open your mouth. If you feel that you are a worshiper, sing. Sing. Don't try something really flash. I mean, Julius, he started, he was there, it was awesome, wasn't he? You played a good drums, eh? Yeah, we said to him, don't be Phil Collins, just play the drums, bro. <laughs> Mate, if you are called to anything, get started. You know, don't wait another 10 years praying about it. How many ways can you look at that thing that you're supposed to be doing? <laughs> I mean, really, do it. Just get started. Just say, God, open the way. I'm away. I'm away. And God... Then Moses says to God, Lord, please send someone else. By this time, I would have been sick of this kid. I would have said, okay, move over. I'm taking somebody else on. But God knew that in his life, there were seeds of greatness. And he knows that of your life as well. There are seeds of greatness. You're not just here to warm the pews. I can do that by myself. I've got enough to warm two pews, me. <laughs> This is God. He's calling you. And so the rest of the story is literary history. You know, we know all about Moses, what Moses did and the Red Sea parting and that. But I tell you, this is some other things that happened during that time. I'm not going to say that everything's rosy. When we started, um, when we started pastoring in our first church, I'll tell you that place is a mess. Because we didn't pretty know what we were doing, but we decided to put our foot forward. James was asked whether he would take on uh, an exec job in Microsoft. He said, nah, there's Microsoft with the money, and there was a wee church with nothing. Guess which one he chose? <laughs> the church with nothing. I mean, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, honey, sorry, sorry. <laughs> You know, here it is. It's time for us to pivot towards our call. Let's not just try and do it half-heartedly. Pivot towards the call. Let go of what you've had. Don't look on the inside. All your strength is going to come from God. It's not going to come for yourself. But God is going to make you that vessel. And I want to be a willing vessel, don't you? I want to be a willing vessel. I want God to call me, but I want to be able to, you know, pivot and and receive the call. I know that I'm going to be challenged by this this week. Thank you, Jesus. He always does that with me. It's time for us to pivot and face our destiny and say to God, here I am, God. Use me. Use me. Let's stand to our feet.